This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Give Cleola a round of applause. Let me, before we introduce our panelists, and as always, it's an honor to be here, um, do want to acknowledge the great president of this organization, Terry Melvin. Give him a round of applause. The entire leadership team here at CBTU, give them a round of applause. My, my dear brother, uh, Apollos Baker, and he and I started talking about doing something like this with these unions over a year ago. Give Apollos a round of applause for helping to facilitate this. And presumably, I know Mr. Lucy has been joining us remotely. Thank goodness for technology. Bill, if you're watching, we love you. We miss you. We know you're with us. And we do all this for you. Give Bill Lucy a round of applause so he can hear this. Um, uh, I'm just going to be a minister for a minute here, but not really a minister. I just want to say this. Clayola is right. Um, and as we look at the history of this great organization and where it's come from over the past 50, 51 years, if we think, if we consider that Dr. King gave his life, was crucified upon the cross himself in Memphis, um, for the formation of an African-American union, essentially a black union there in Memphis. If he gave his life in that cause, Willie, then everything we do now and we've done since then is continuing his life and legacy. And therefore, all of us here in CBTU are the manifestation of his resurrection. Amen. So he lives on through us. And I want to just say that that's how sacred being here is to me and how even more sacred the work each and every one of you does every day. All right. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And what Bill Lucy continues to impart to us and what he has helped us do. So we start, you know, CBTU on paper, 1972, probably really started in 1968, that week in Memphis. Amen. So we continue this work. So uh, again, I'm thankful uh, to be here and glad to be here. I want to introduce the, our, our panelists here, two very esteemed people. And, and this, uh, this is, again, important and historic because we're, we're marrying um, all of our unions and where we have leadership. And it's also interesting that, um, and historic that so many of our unions, I know Fred Redman's on his way in town, we, you know, we have leadership everywhere now. And that, that, says, that says a lot. First of all, um, I'm going to introduce to my immediate left my dear friend Terry Carmichael uh, Jackson. She is the executive director of the Women's National Basketball Players Association. She helped form the WNBPA's Board of Advocates, and she also helped to launch a social, a joint social justice council, the very first of its kind, with players and league team executives to collaboratively, collaboratively 
work and advance player activism. Prior to that, she was at the NCAA. Uh, she is a fellow Georgetown alum twice, both undergrad and the Georgetown Law School. We were in school together. We've known each other since we were teenagers. Uh, but she is also Jaron Jackson Jr., the, the NBA Defensive Player of the Year's mom, who plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. And watch this too, CBTU. Jaron Jackson Jr., her son, was recently elected to the leadership of the National Basketball Players Association. So it runs in the family, Clay. Clay, look, see this? <laughs> so wonderful. Let's have another round for Terry. So glad she's here. Also to, uh, to her uh, left is our dear brother. He is David Foster of the National Basketball Players Association. Give him a round of applause. And he was um, at one point named to Sports Business Journal's 40 Under 40, as well as the National Bar Association's 40 Under 40. And so he addresses many of the issues that our young players are dealing with today. He's a former prosecutor. We're happy to have David here as well. Give him a round of applause. Let me also mention, um, you know, obviously a lot of our work is collective bargaining. He was a part of the team that negotiated the most recent collective bargaining agreement in the National Basketball Players Association. So we thank him for that as well. Um, we also had invited um, two of the other major sports, uh, professional football and um, professional baseball. Um, Tony Clark of the Major League Baseball Players Association. Uh, and I'll be very honest with you, you know, uh, we've lost a lot of ground in Major League Baseball uh, in terms of our representation on the field, amen? But isn't it interesting that the leadership of the union is still African-American? That says something. Um, both Tony Clark, um, Andy Maurice of the NFL are, he could not be, they both are in Amsterdam for the World Players Association meetings. Uh, De Maurice of the NFL was, was also gonna join us, but uh, they wanted to be here, but we thank them for their consideration and next time we'll have them. But just to begin to have these, this dialogue, I think is important, no, just to even have them in the conversation as we try to bring uh, all of us together. One other thing, speaking of the NFL, I'd be remiss um, and I'm, I'm, Clay, I'm sure you appreciate what I'm about to say because we always want to lift up families that we're concerned about. They're here, the work they do around social justice is important. There's an issue and a case that has not gotten as much publicity as it uh, deserves. And it was brought to my attention in, more so in person yesterday, and I'm bringing it up because we're in New Orleans. Um, yesterday I was in Akron and we marched for Jalen Walker who was shot by the police 46 times. Um, you're welcome to join us for the National March in D.C. June 27th. That's a plug. Um, other families came. One mother came from here, uh, Sister Foster. Her son was Glenn Foster, whom the Alabama police killed. Glenn Foster played for the New Orleans Saints. So you can read about him and Google him, and she's trying to get 
uh, the NFL and the NFLPA to be more involved in that case. The only reason she's not in New Orleans today is because they're actually marching in Alabama tomorrow where the police killed him several years ago. So these things are ongoing. So we'll begin with that because we're three years since George Floyd and the, the so-called um, um, reckoning. Um, first of all, let me begin this way. Terry, I'll start with you. Um, in your role in also the place where the WNBA Players Association finds itself, uh, how do you envision your role, your organization's role in this continuum of history when it comes to African-Americans and labor and how that works to press forward for our justice as a people? Well, um, I believe that we are going to figure pretty prominently in that role um, within the labor movement. What I have said is I think the players associations, I think the sports unions can be a part of this labor union and, and be a part of the resurgence of what it means to be in a union and what it means to be politically strong and socially strong. And, you know, I don't go back to 2020 in the moment of the so-called reckoning. I like the way you phrase that. Um, I kind of go back. I've been in this role seven years. And my very first time moment on the job, you know, the there was the shootings in Minnesota. There were the shootings in Dallas. And I saw the players kind of coming together very quickly to talk about what they can do and how they could show up and how it was so important for them to make a stand um, and to make a statement that this was gonna be so important for their community. So I go all the way back then. And you know, I consider the WNBPA to be one of the more under-resourced unions out there. I mean, we've got 144 members. We don't, we don't, they don't get paid a lot of money. I'm, 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 I'm working on that, I'm fighting for that, but they don't get paid a lot of money. So we don't sit on you know, a lot of resources. But what we do understand is what it means to be a union. And we do understand the collective voice and we do understand the power of consensus. And when you have that, then you've got you know, management's attention. When you've got 144 players who are saying, we wanna, sh we wanna wear Black Lives Matter shirts, we all want to wear them. We have all been talking about them, about these shirts, the importance of these shirts, and we want to do that. And you have the league saying, yeah, don't, don't do that. No, we don't want you to do that. And, if you, and then threatening to find them. And the players, again, they're not making a lot of money, particularly then, they weren't making a lot of money. They've got a new CBA, but they, they weren't making a lot of money before then. And they said, in the face of fines, we are going to do this. We are black and brown women. These are our young men, these are our children, and we are, this is how we're gonna show up. And so they went and bought their own shirts, and they had their statements made, they held, you know, their media availability was all about the statements that they wanted to make about police brutality and police killings. And I just was so, I was so inspired. I was so inspired because, again, they understood the power of the collective voice and they came together very quickly. And yeah, they were fined. And I keep talking about this story. Yeah, I do. I think the league gets mad that I keep talking about this story. But I'm going to keep talking about this story because I'm not going to let history erase it. They were fined. And, you know, it was a time in which I got a memo 
that each of the players would get about being fined because it was a violation of the uniform policy. And I would get a copy of the memo that they got telling them that they had violated the policy. Imagine how many times my phone was vibrating because they fined every single one of them. And it was ridiculous. And I begged them, I said, don't do this, don't do this. But they did, and then a few days later, I think they heard the members, about the members in, in, in David's union, the, the, the guys in the, NB, in the NBPA were actually coalescing, coming together and saying, we're gonna pay your fines. And I think the league heard that and said, we're gonna rescind, we're gonna rescind them. But you know, so fast forward in this moment, we understand what it means to be a union. Like we've been doing this for a minute. Back then, Black Lives Matter, Charlottesville, you know, we've been doing this in coming together to do the bubble. We were talking about getting the information we needed, you know, to, to make smart, healthy decisions for ourselves, for our families, for our communities around the COVID vaccine. And we got to, you know, I call it an A. We got 99% of our members vaccinated and talking about the importance of that um, and staying healthy. And then we moved to voting and completing the census. And look, these women are some badasses. I'm just gonna tell you, it is a privilege to get to sit where I sit as their executive director in total servant leadership mode. And, and Mark, we talk about this all the time. You can't lead until you can serve. Well, you know, I watched the women of the W flip the Senate, y'all. That's what they did. That's what they did. That's what they did mobilizing around that vote in, in around the elections in, in Georgia. So they flipped the Senate. So, and then what did they do just last year? Mobilized a global sports community to get one of their own, Brittany Griner, home. Yeah, so we will figure prominently in the labor movement, in the history of the labor movement. And it is women no offense, guys, it is women, you know, who are doing lots of the work, all of the work, who are doing lots of the work. And so I know we're going to have our place in history and to be invited here, oh, you all don't know. I've been doing team meetings and, and they're like, Terry, where you go from here? I'm going to New Orleans. What you got to do in New Orleans? And I said, well, I'm going to the Coalition of Black Trade. What, really? So it's an Afro, to be invited here? This is an affirmation of who we are. Thank you, Terry. Uh, as I, I'm pretty much gonna pose the same question to you, David, and thanks a lot, Terry. But just as I do that, I do wanna acknowledge someone whom we've lost recently who also kinda set some of the tone. Uh, Jim Brown took all of the athletes to meet with uh, Muhammad Ali. Um, and the story from that, um, was that they went to be in solidarity with him. Um, but the fact of the matter is, they didn't really know what everything that was going on, so they had to meet with him first. And they had all been threatened. All the other, uh, um, Kareem was there, Jim Brown, others. They had all been threatened by their respective leagues. Um, but once they got to see Muhammad Ali, he convinced them that they needed to stand with him, and they did. So that is kind of, I would think, continuing in that tradition. Talk about the NBPA and why you all are called to 
as a WNPA, NBPA to be involved in this tradition and this movement? Yep. First, I want to say uh, it's an honor to be here. As, uh, as Terry said, this is, this is giving me life, sitting in front of you and feeling the energy and knowing that there are these other powerful unions and union members out there. I think a lot of times for us, we're in our own little tunnel vision, like we're focused on these players, on these athletes, making sure they're okay. And we, we, don't, we don't see all of you in the, in the collective sense. So I just want to say thank you. It's an honor to be here. And this, this is going to be uh, very uh, beneficial to me going back to, the, going back to my membership. Now, um, I will agree with Terry that the, the women have been leading the charge on social justice, on voting rights. Um, the, the men oftentimes, uh, because of their status, they get, they get more of the front page news and the, and the, and the, um, and the accolades, but it really, the W women have been leading from day one. Um, so all, all credit goes to them. And I, I think, look, every, every once in a while, women do have to kind of nudge the men along. Um, that happens in life too. Um, and so and we, we appreciate that and the men are, are, we're ready and we're moving forward and this, this social justice movement matters to these guys. Um, it matters tremendously. I mean, they're, they're parts of the community, right? They come from our hometowns. They didn't forget. They're, they have uh, um, experienced uh, discrimination. Their family members have. And as, and as our members, and they make sure we know that it's important to them. Right, so whenever there are major issues, they always come to us and they ask, well, what, what can be done? What can we do? And I think it's, it's meetings like this that are helpful because a lot of times there's the energy and the passion, but, but like when you get down to the precise action point, right, what actually is needed, that's where sometimes we need more collective thought, right? Because if I'm, if I'm in New York and there is an issue in Detroit, and it's a local issue, and the players want to know what to do, it helps if we have union people on the ground to tell us, here's precisely what, what we need, right? That makes a huge difference. Um, what also helps, and what also, the, the players, like, they, what, I'll tell you, what they, what they don't want, they don't ever want to be just looked at as someone that's going to write a check. Right? They, they, don't, they don't like that. They're like, you can get money from somewhere else. They want to actually help. And so, the, so this type of environment where we know where you are, you know where, where we are, you can come to us, that allows us to help them, give them precise information, and, they will, and they'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, David. Obviously, at the convention, we talk a lot about the you know, myriad of issues that, that all of these respective um, laborers and unions face. Um, but again, not only do we look at your athletes, not just sometimes right in the chat, but we just see them as athletes and superstars, right? Talk to us again with you, Terry, about some of the everyday issues that you deal with as a union. I mean, we, we see you all reacting to the social justice issues, but what are some of the, what are some of the devils in the details? Because you all have, you deal with, with crazy management too, don't you? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Some of the, yeah, you know, I, I, I think it is important to recognize that, um, and I was using this phrase earlier, um, they are mere mortals, right? They're human beings. And um, they, are, they are working moms like you guys. And uh, 
so things that affect them. I mean, everything connected to the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, the guys just finished theirs. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous, right? Because I feel like I just negotiated ours, but ours is the 2020. We're four years in. Ours is a 2020 collective bargaining agreement. It would expire in 2027, um, but there's an opt-out. There's an opportunity for the league or for the players to opt out, to say, hey, we want out of this agreement early, at the end of next season, at the end of the 2024 season, we want out of this agreement to negotiate all over again. Uh, last time in 2018, when we were looking at that question, it really wasn't a question, right? It was, why would we stay in? It wasn't really, should we opt out? It was, why would we stay in? This collective bargaining agreement doesn't address anything about who we are as working women and women who are looking to start families as working moms. So what's a big issue for us? What's a big issue for all of us? Salaries, right? Yeah, I mean, that's huge. That's huge for us. Those, that's the issue that I'm dealing with. Also, how they travel. I mean, these are prima donnas, but they want to be treated with respect and they want to be treated well. And their bodies, you know, go to work. They are putting in hours. And so, you know, the guys, and, and, and Mark was saying, my son is, is a current NBA player. So I have this perspective, right? I see what the guys have. I see that world. I see what we have. I see our world. I don't compare. I don't judge too much. Um, but I see what's possible. Positioned where I'm positioned, I see what's possible. And so for us, travel is a big issue. So I'd love to talk to the, to the unions associated with, with the airlines and all of that, because we're going to need your help. We're going to look to mobilize and put a little pressure on the, air, on the airlines, because there's some things that they can be doing. They can come to the table and have some conversations with the players, with the members of my union. Um, but you know, how they travel and salary. Those really are, are top of mind and those are our, those are our biggest issues. Well, but on that point before we leave that, and I think many people have seen the LSU women's team and Angel and the sisters, and I think um, she's been quoted as saying that someone like her remaining in college and getting the NIL money is still even more lucrative than going to the WNBA. Talk to us about that salary. Now, is, is, is that a question of, of ownership, investment? Some people are saying, well, WNBA isn't as popular as the NBA, but that's not, is that really it? What is it? Yeah, okay, so we're going to put an end to that tonight, Come okay? On. Right? Because like, we know if you put it on television, right, if you allow people to access the product, access the game, then they're going to watch it. I'm going to go back to 2020 again. And you know why? Because we came back in the bubble. All the sports came back, right? The NBA came back, NFL, MLB, everybody came back. Our viewership was through the roof. Why? Because you put us on television. Everybody was home. It was 2020, y'all. You remember. Everybody was home. And so you put the games on television. Everybody's watching. They're binge watching. So everybody's watching. And again, our, our viewership was sky high. And we heard some of the other commissioners, and I'm not going to name the sports. I'm not going to call them out. But one of the other commissioners said, because their, their viewership ratings took a, took a little dip, went low a little bit. 
And so we heard one of the commissioners complain, well, it's because we were competing with all these sports. We all came back at the same time. And I said, hold up, wait a minute. We play at this time of year all the time. We're up against the NBA, we're up against MLB, we're up against towards the latter half of our season, the NFL is coming back. Nobody gives us a break. So you, you want to talk about viewership and ratings and say, oh, but that's where they are and that's the state of their business. No, 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 no. Let, play fair, y'all, play fair. If you put us on television and people can access it, then they're tuning in and they're learning stories about these players who I say are the most accessible professional athletes out there. All you need to do is go to one game, wherever you are, go to one game and you will love it. You will be transformed. And if you don't, okay, it's not for you. But I, I promise you, you're probably going to have a different reaction. You're going to love it. So the business is doing well. But you've got to push back a little bit and say, in this family of leagues, I mean, when you look at businesses, right, when you look at, let's take Pepsi. Pepsi isn't going to let Frito-Lay or Doritos or Gatorade do bad, right? They're not going to let them struggle. They're going to put the resources in. They're going to invest in those, in those brands, in the Pepsi company. Well, that's kind of what we expect. In the NBA enterprise, in that family of leagues, you have Basketball Africa, you have the G League, you have the NBA, you have the WNBA. None of them should ever be failing or struggling. You should put the investment in and the resources in. Um. What are some of the issues that the day-to-day -day labor issues that you're dealing with in the NBA? Yeah, um, uh, so first I say based, based on my background as being a prosecutor at the local and federal level when I came on board, I primarily focused on some of the day-to-day the -day issues that the players were having with the league, whether it's suspensions, fines, on-court issues, off-court issues. Now, thankfully, I think the players, um, that has, Dissipated, so it's it's a much smaller percentage of my time. But um, there are there are, I mean there there are still issues. There's there's still I I would say um, everyone here your everyday real life issues. The players have the same. It just becomes magnified because it's now public. It's on TV, um, and and the employer uh, is very image conscious, right? There's there's some places you work where image they don't really care as much about. You're, what you're doing in your private life or on your own time. Uh, but for, for my members, it, it is a huge deal. And so trying to educate to prevent some of these issues from happening and then when it does, trying to mitigate, trying to, trying to liaise with the, with the player, the agent, the player's family, trying to explain to the league uh, what's going on or what didn't happen. Uh, that's, that, that's, a, that's, that's a constant thing. There's always something. There's some, someone always does something that, that we have to address. Um, I'd say on the bigger and more macro level, our players are really interested in expanding their ability to grow their investments, to be a part of, the, of, of global business. And one of the interesting difficulties is because the NBA is so big and the governors are billionaires and have so many businesses all over the world, there are rules in place that that limit what the players can do, right? So for example, in, in certain situations, if a, if a owner has a certain percentage of a business, um, the, a player cannot also invest in that business. 
And in order to become a billionaire, you probably have a lot of investments in a lot of different businesses. And it makes it a little bit more difficult for the players. So trying to just um, work with the league sometimes to open up some doors or, or helping the players find other places to go. Right? We keep trying to tell the players, it's nice to talk to the owners, but there are other places you can go to put your money. We're really, we're really focused on trying to find opportunities in Africa. Um, because I think that obviously there's a tremendous wealth and opportunities there. As Terry mentioned, some of the travel unions here, I know there's some unions that, are, um, that work for uh, some people in Africa. I'd love to talk to you guys. Our players are very, very interested in learning more about the continent. Um, so I'd say on the macro level, it's, it's, it's expanding their footprint in the world. On the micro, it's still some of these everyday issues that everyone has. It's just, it gets blown way out of proportion sometimes for these athletes. And some of those off-court issues also are blown out of proportion, obviously, because these are black athletes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no, no, no doubt. I mean, there's, there's, there, that, that undertone is, is absolutely still there. I mean, that, does, that doesn't go away um, because it's sports, right? Um, that, that is, that, that's a theme. Um, what's, what's interesting... Um, in, in line with that and with um, social justice, I was recently talking to um, some people that we do social justice with, and they were saying that there was a player on a particular NBA team who is very active in the social justice space, and he essentially was called into the team's office, and in was the team governor, was the GM, and they were essentially chastising the player for not getting permission to engage in certain social justice activities. Um, I wish he'd called me before, before that happened because I would have be, been in the meeting with him and shut it all down. But it just, it's, 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 that, it's that controlling mentality that even in that space, they're like, well, since you play for our team, if you're going to do social justice, it has to be through our channels. It has to be with our partners. It has to be for causes that we believe in. Luckily, the player is sophisticated enough where he was able to explain that, like, he's doing this on his own time. He's not doing it as player member of X team. He's just doing it as individual. Um, and so he was able to politely but forcefully push back. But that undertone of control, and at the end of the day, they, they get to make all the rules because of who they are, that, that's, that's still there. There's no doubt about that. You know what, I, I was gonna, when you mentioned the social justice council that we formed, so that was formed because the players said, we're not coming back, we're not gonna play in the bubble unless there is a provision in the agreement that talked about social justice work. And so um, the league and, and the union, we came together and we, we created this joint social justice council and it was supposed to be like, it was a big deal, right? Because it was the first of its kind and, and all of that. But what I recognized really pretty quickly was that we had to form our own committee within our organizational structure. Because, so the way we are set up, um, we have a board of player reps, we have an executive committee, and then we have standing committees under that. Typically a CBA committee is an example of a standing committee. Well, we had to form another committee, we call them the Jedis, I think their name is so cool. So it's Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Committee. And so the players on that committee are then the players who are the members of the Social Justice Council. And what's important about the Jedis is that 
they have, they create their own kind of campaign, their own agenda of initiatives that they want to work on. And they can do that within the construct of the union and they don't have to worry about it being compromised. They don't have to worry about getting permission, so to speak, right, what, what David is talking about. What they want to do, the social justice work, the advocacy work that they wanna do through their union and on their own time, that's what we support. And then if there's some initiatives that we find, oh, you know, in collaboration with the league, this works, this makes sense, we can do that. But it was important for me to move really pretty quickly to form, to form the Jedis to make sure that, like I said, that they're not compromised, that, they, that we stay true to who we are and what we want to work on and whatever position we want to take on whatever issue and whatever organizations we want to work, work with, we can do. Was the League, uh, and thank you again for your last comments too, David, I'm gonna come back to that in a minute. Was the League as supportive as the players were in getting Brittany Griner home? Well, um, I could only stay in my lane and speak on the efforts of my members. Of course they were. Of course the league was very supportive, you know, but I am the executive director of the 144. That's what I call my members, 12 teams, so 12 on a team. And we were tweeting and posting every single day. We were doing interviews. We were talking, you know, on background. We were doing explicit interviews and giving statements every single moment that we could. Um, and I think the league was was doing its efforts too. And and it had it had its own channels and direct contact with the State Department. Um, there were things that we did kind of together, but I gotta tell you, the women of the 144, they were strong. They wanted to get, they believed that they were going to get their sister home and we just needed to do whatever we needed to do every single day. They, at one point they said, Terry, is this gonna matter? And I said, yes, yes. My tweet, my retweet, my po is this gonna matter? Yes, it is. And they, fortunately, they trusted me enough to do that. Um, and do I think that the efforts of, of Kathy Engelbert and the league and the team side, yes, they were, they were all on it too. I think we were kind of all pushing at it from different directions. I just was in it with the players and I can tell you they were committed. And it definitely made a difference, indeed. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Um, David, you, you mentioned um, even dealing with, I guess, some of the individual teams. You were talking about, the gave the anecdote about the player. So talk to us about uh, how much of that is involved in your work. I mean, you have to deal with the league sometimes, the commissioner, and sometimes with individual owners too. 
Yes, um, I, I'd say mo most of the time we're dealing with the league, right? So we'll, so when it comes to the collective bargaining agreement, we represent the players, the league represents the owners. And so that's when we sit at the table, we try and get the best deal for the players, they do that for the owners. We then write up the whole agreement. It was a 500 page book, it'll now probably be a 600 page book. And that's essentially like the rule book. And so then we then spend the rest of the time making sure that all the rules are being enforced or if there are any tweaks. And then if, the, if a team has something unique they want to do, they'll go to the league, the league then talks to us. Same thing for a player. A player wants to do something that's outside the norm, they come to us and we'll then, we'll then discuss with the league. So most of the time, we deal directly with the league. Um, and it, it, it's, it's probably more efficient that way right? Because the league is, they're essentially the, the head organization, right? And what's interesting is from the, from, from the league perspective, they, they, they do a very good job of trying to control the narrative, right? So, so it's, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating um, that, I mean, I'm not sure how they do it, but I'm sure they have some type of unofficial or official rule about teams um, shouldn't be making direct contact with the union, Right? Because I think they want to keep all the messaging the same. Because not all teams are at the same level of sophistication. So every once in a while, this is, this is one of the reasons why like, I like to go out and try and talk to the teams, or particularly go overseas and talk to some of the, some, some, some of the affiliate organizations, because sometimes they haven't like, had the last sip of the Kool-Aid. And so like, some of the talking points are a little bit off, and that's when they start, that's when they start spilling some secrets. So, so sometimes you go talk to a team, and the team, like, you gotta remember, these, these owners, they are billionaires. So they're used to doing whatever they want. And so every once in a while, if you're in the room, they, they might say some things that are a little bit different from lockstep with the, with, with the league. So we, we, we try and talk to the teams, but most of the time, they're, they will, they're good at sh like shuffling the, the conversation back to the league to keep it all in line. But every once in a while, you'll, you'll get a couple outliers. Um, which is fine. I mean, like, for example, like, I'll tell you, like, I, I, I talk to, or some, like, some of the owners that I talk to, they, they're some of the more opinionated ones. That's why they talk to me, because they, they want their opinion to be heard. And it's, it's just interesting to note the different perspectives across the board. Um, I, I do think some of them care about social justice issues. I do think some of them are just completely terrified of it. And I do think others think it's a complete nuisance and they don't want it in involved at all, right? So it's just, it, it's, it goes across, which is kind of how society is in general, right? Um, same case with you. I mean, how often do you have to deal with individual owners? And I guess, and let me put it this way. If, if an owner is giving one of your members an issue or there's some type of conflict, um, I mean, ultimately, you'd like the to go to the league, I guess, and have them help intervene to fix that. That's part of the role that it's supposed to play, right? Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, I, I have a similar but kind of different kind of take on it or, or reaction to it, because I do believe in relationships, and that's what David is talking about, building those relationships um, at the team level, because you, you will hear what they have to say. Um, I think I think our league is a, is a little bit different. It's a little bit more decentralized. Um, there is the league at the top that's kind of making these decisions. But sometimes, again, because of the relationships you have with the teams, um, 
you can kind of kind of negotiate your way through or or talk about you know a situation with a particular player. Um, I, I did want to mention something about Black Lives Matter on on the court because this is kind of like a team level, league level kind of thing. So the league came to us recently and said, um, well the the governors are talking about you know the Black Lives Matter decal on the court. Um, and I said, okay, well, what, what's the conversation? And they said, well, you know, some are, are looking to remove it. And I was like, really? Because last I checked, this was still an issue and black lives do still matter, but okay, so what, what are we talking about? And they said, well, you know, it costs a lot of money to keep, have the decal on the court. And I was like, wow, really? Well, so when, when they start with the money thing, that's when you got to keep asking questions, right? It's like, okay, so how much does it cost? Well, tens of thousands of dollars. Really? Okay. And the teams play that or the league pays that? Well, it actually is paid by the league. And I said, okay, so why are the teams complaining? Right? And then I heard, well, they really want to see Logo Woman more prominently featured on the court. And I was like, hmm. Okay, and then we've heard, isn't it time to move on? Yeah, my players had the same reaction. Our members had the same reaction, like what? What are we talking about here? Um, and so the, what the league's position was, was to you know, push it to the teams and say, have the conversations with the players. And so I've been talking to the members saying, what do you guys wanna do? You know, is it, do you want to do something else? Do you want to show up or be represented on this issue someplace else in a different way? Like, think about what that is. And maybe the tens of thousands of dollars that it costs to put the decal on the, on the court, maybe that gets directed, right, to a charity of, of your choice. Um, or do you just want to say, no, black lives matter, black lives still matter, and it should be on the court. I think it was really a prominent statement for the WNBA, for the NBA, to have that on the court. And so what does removing that do? What does that mean? I don't know, I really don't. Like I'm really posing that as a question and I told that to my members. I said, think about it. That's the locker room conversation I want you to have and come to consensus on. But if you're thinking maybe you want to show up on this issue in a different way, and maybe the tens or thousands of dollars that it costs for the decal, like I said, goes to, goes to a charity. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say that um, it, it reminded me of another reason why for us, we, have, we tend to do it at the league levels because for, for our players, oftentimes when it gets to the team level, when, when we're not in the locker room, the team has the ability because they're with the players every day to, to, to lean on them a little bit, particularly if you're not the superstar, like if, if you're a rookie, you're on the bench, you're trying to make the team. I mean, it's the whole thing between voluntary versus mandatory. Like you can call something voluntary, but you're on that team, you, 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 you don't want that extra stress or pressure. Um, so, and, and a lot of times in these, what we call like soft issues, like social justice, the teams just have the ability to just kind of lean on them a little bit and it, it just gets difficult. So if, if we can get it done at the league level, so it's just, it's mandatory, this has to happen, right. or something can happen, then, then, then like, at least the player has, has something, has a piece of paper, to like, look, team, you have to do this. 
Um, and so, and, and that's and that's the power of the union, right? That's where we come in. We can we can try to relieve that pressure and say, don't worry, like we'll carry this for you. Um, you also mentioned, uh, David, some of the, the off-court issues. David also, folks, deals with, you know, when folks want to take disciplinary action or that type of thing. Uh, and it's important to have someone like us in that role, you know. Um, and I'm not going to put him on the spot because there's a matter now he really can't talk about. But sometimes the media will judge or prejudge and therefore create a prejudice toward a certain player or some publicity, right? And then that becomes a big public issue. It's, you know, it's his job to help. So sometimes, you know, I've been seeing a lot of people on social media um, talking about the brother in Memphis, even some of us. Well, what, what, you know, what is going on? So, but we have to, if we all know what it's like to be in a collective situation, sometimes we need to press pause and be sure we have all the information and that this young person is being represented and treated fairly and not guilty rather than being presumed innocent. Yeah, right? no, uh, absolutely. And, um, I'm, and I'm not trying to get you to say no, no, too no, much. No, no, I hear you, I hear you. I you hear know, you. we just need to. No, no, uh, 100%, I think, um, I mean, you, you described it perfectly. I think in this age of everyone has an ability to get to, everyone has an opinion and ability to get it out there, it's this rush to get your opinion out there, regardless of information. Um, and I think a lot of times for, for our athletes, that ha that's magnified. Um, and oftentimes in these situations, the initial reactions are, and opinions are not, they're based on little to no information. Um, and, then, and then unfortunately, some of us, we will we'll pick up on that and we will perpetuate some of that information and, 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 and we, we don't have all the facts, right? And I think, um, one of the things that we talked about is being supportive of us, right? Even when we're not perfect or we've fallen down, we should continue to be supportive of us, right? Like, le leave it to everyone else to tear us down. Like, that's, it's, like that you, we, already, we already know they're going to do that, right? There's already enough people to tear people down. We should continue to be supportive of us because that, that it, it, it means a lot. Um, like, the athletes do pay attention. It does make a difference. Um, the, the, our athlete, the average age is probably like 22, 23. They, in my opinion, they care too much about all that social media stuff, but they do listen, they do watch. And it is hurtful when people like them are, are saying things and acting as though they've lost faith in them. Um, so just, I, I know people like to talk about things and everyone can have your opinions, that's great. But just remember, it, it, it does have an impact. And just because these guys and the women are, are successful athletes and they're financially successful, they're, they're still at times fragile human beings that, uh, that have emotions and need encouragement and being torn down, it's just, it just it is, isn't helpful. Um, David, I'll stay with you for a minute because I know you also have been involved in the transition now to sports gambling and that's become ubiquitous. What does that mean for the union, for labor? What, what's that all about? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's, it's very terrifying. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is, it, it's, um, it's a, a it's, it's going to be a problem, uh, I, I think. I mean, look, for, at first, we, we made a push to try and um, 
fi- make as much have have an ability to have um, direct financial gains from this increase in sports betting. Because the way the way it works is you have these companies, they'll come in, these these betting shops, they'll come into communities and say, hey, we're gonna promise you all these jobs, et cetera, and sometimes they deliver, sometimes they don't. But betting in general is harmful to our communities overall. It doesn't help. And and like it, it's going back to these private companies. That's all it is, right? It's and when oftentimes, because I did a lot of lobbying going from state to state to state, advocating on behalf of the players, and the governments would say, oh, we love it because we're going to get more tax money, et cetera. All they're going to do is they're just going to, they're going to, they're going to move the tax, they're going to move the money from one thing to another. So if, if, if the education was going to get $5 million, they're not going to add the, the extra $5 million, they're going to take that $5 million and put it somewhere else. So it's not really doubling the, not really doubling the, the, um, the benefit to the community. Um, so for us, I'll give you an example. I have had situations where um, I've had to deal with the league and because there's been unusual betting on particular players um, on, uh, like for particular games, right? Like, oh, why, why was there so much betting on whether or not this, this person was going to score 10 points or more, right? And so now the player has to have an interview. I'm there, prep the player. Because the league wants to understand where they're trying to fix the game, where they're giving information. And everything has always worked out, thankfully, but what's going to happen, I predict, at some point in time, a player like, just randomly might be talking to his or her friend or family member, and be like, damn, like, my, my ankle is still hurting. It's not going to be a good game tonight, right? Maybe someone was in the, maybe someone was in the other room, Someone heard that, now they go and take that information, they bet on that information, they bet a lot, right? Sets off some alarms, and now this player's getting jammed up, and they were just talking about how their day was gonna go, right? And so now what might happen, now there might be discipline for that person, that, that, that player with the league. You go back to the media part. Now if this actually comes out, now that player's reputation is tarnished, if there's marketing deals, those deals might be taken away. So there's a, for the, to me, there's a lot of negatives around the gambling. On the other side, I mean, there are going to be endorsement opportunities so they can be like the, now, because of the new CBA, they can be the face of Caesars or the face of Bally's, et cetera. Um, but it's, it's, it's going to be dangerous. Um, I mean, I think from the general union perspective, I mean, I guess you could make the argument that if, if, it's, if they're in, if they're, 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 they're entities, so they're bringing jobs, so you have to bring in union jobs, so therefore that, that's always a good thing. Um, but we have to make sure that that's the case, right? Like if they are gonna be allowed, all those other things have to come with it to support right. the unions. That's right, that's right. Mark, yes. I, I'm sorry, I'm sitting here about the blow up, okay? Okay. The reason for my anxiety is here. Let's get Clay. is that the face that we see that's pushing forward the gambling piece are our folks in sports. So our communities have folks who are now gambling in that arena. Mm -hmm. So the habit of betting has become very acceptable because some of the idols that they see are players that they respect are the ones that talk in this game. 
And there, stick with me now, I'm from the country, I can't make it real plain, but I wanna make it so that you can understand exactly what I'm saying, all right? Our folks are concerned that those who are talking more about gambling in various kinds of ways, Fundul or whatever the hell it is, because I'm old, I can't keep up with all the names that they have, all right? But our young people see it and it's like, okay, well they're doing it, you know, let's see if we can make some money in this way. That's harmful. I, I and agree. that's troubling to our community. No, I, I, I agree. And, and thank you for saying that because I, I've never heard that, right? Because so far, um, current NBA players have not been allowed to be the face of DraftKings, Caesars, et cetera. We, we just signed a new CBA and they, and they can be going forward. So they probably will be because they're pretty marketable. So in the past, it's just been a retired player. I think like Kevin, uh, Kevin Garnett's been a couple commercials, et cetera. But to, to your point of if, if, if their celebrity is going to result in more gambling, our people feel more comfortable, it's going to be more harmful, that's a conversation we should have because I, I, I and this, this is where it, it's interesting from the union perspective, right? Because on the one hand, we, we pushed and, and I, I'm glad we got the ability for the players to, to, to make money doing this because our argument was they're already going to be harmed because they can't, because they, gambling is going to be harmful to them overall and they can't own betting shops. So I was like, if you're going to get the negative, at least we'll get some of the positive. But to your point now, I mean, that's a good conversation. I think that there is stuff that we can do in the communities. There are like... Uh, service announcements we can give. We can like find out the communities that you're that you're particularly worried about, and figure out the players that would be best suitable, and just and, and talk and have a conversation. Because I, I agree, and I definitely think our players would not want to think that they're like causing harm. I'm 100% sure. Like they they don't they don't want that to happen at all. And so if there's a way that we can help that, then we we would be all in. Thank you. Thank you for raising that, Cleo. Uh, we're going to go to the mics in a minute if folks want to start lining up. But as we do that, um, one other issue, obviously, and you all may already be outspoken on this, and I just may be missing it because I've been in so many different places. Um, the W, I like that. Um, clearly, in the, in the past couple of years and since the reversal of Roe, I mean, we're seeing an even greater and an and ongoing deadly attack on women's bodily autonomy. You all speaking out about that, doing some things with that? Yeah, absolutely. There was, um, you know, for the first time, we were able to um, join a coalition of organizations like Sister Song and Planned Parenthood um, and do a, a full-page ad in, I think, that ran in the New York Times a couple years ago about reproductive rights. And uh, so we have, so the Jedis have a campaign this year that's all about women's health issues. And within that umbrella, um, there are different spokes or buckets, if you will, of, of, of issues. So mental health, maternal health, um, reproductive rights, and the cancers that affect women. And so you're going to see the W players mobilizing in, in lots of those um, areas on those topics. Um, what happened with Roe, you know, I think just, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna say things that we all feel, right? Just set us back, just put us in the wrong direction and has you just scratching your head of like what to do and how to do and how to make sense of it. But th the players are just gonna continue to mobilize like they've been doing, um, talk about the 
efforts that we all need to be doing, you know, at the state level, at the federal level, to make the kind of changes and see the kind of changes that we need, because that, that never should have happened. All right, we've got some questions. Let's go here first. Uh, folks, and all, by the way, please, everyone, a question. You know, folks don't do that no more, right? We like to get up and do our own. So please, one question, go right to the sentence, go right to the question. Please, I'm gonna intervene. Better call him. All right, go right ahead. Mike J, hello. Uh, thank you all for being here. I appreciate it, let's go heat. Um, no, no, wait, no for, for their benefit, your name, oh. where you from, what union, all that. I'm from Miami, obviously, right? White, hot, uh, the game starts in, like, right now. But uh, <laughs> I'm Fed Ingram from the AFT. I represent teachers all over the country. Uh, 1.7 well, I, I million. I can see with the light, Fed. I'm sorry, the light shot. There you are, man. What's all up? Good. Listen, this organization rightly uh, recognizes under 40 a lot because we're always trying to look to the future. And your members are under 40, um, for the most part. LeBron and Udonis um, excluded, right? But... But, but what we like, you know, what I'd like to see, you, you, your guys are superheroes and your, and your young ladies are superheroes. Is there any way to hook up with our under 40 and your under 40 so that your members and our members can be empowered? Your members will understand the benefit of having an organization like this. Like, we just saw a superhero, Bill Lucy. All of the NBA and, and WNBA people should know who Bill Lucy is because that's why we're here. And then, by, you know, vice versa, is there any way that we can help you all? We fight bread and butter issues too, right? Social justice is one of the things that we do. But we fight the same issues, the grievances, the shop stores, uh, you know, working conditions that you all fight. Let's hook up and let's get these young people to understand the value of collective action together. Because you all hooking up with us will make us more powerful. But us hooking up with you will make you more powerful too. The short, the short answer, the short answer and the easy answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. So listen, I'm, I'm not the lead. We got all kinds of leaders in here. I just want to put it out there because we got some bad under 40 folks in this group who really could use a boost, a guidance. And we could actually train your guys about union labor, about history, about those things, and that will empower them to know what their rights are as well. Listen, so let's do it. Let's do it. Clayola and, and Terry, I just put it in the room because our young people matter, okay? That's, listen, that's the reason... That is the reason why we are here. Yeah. That is the reason why we That's are we, here. This is the start of that. Yeah. Absolutely. And let's go heat, baby. If you're from Massachusetts, we don't want to hear from okay, you. Okay, so you're going to have to go sit down with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right over. We'll go sad to sad. Yes. Rob Howard, the uh, San Diego chapter CBTU, former utility worker, now with UDW. I was recently laid off, 30 years in an industry that's pretty much dying, the energy industry as far as union employees. But what the question I have for you is, is there a way? Because you guys, you talked about your Jedi. I'm looking, I call it, the, I'm from the country. I'm from Memphis, born and raised Jackson and Hollywood, by the way. Uh, mine is Jedi. It's justice, equity, black inclusion, and it's around doing the work of economic development. We do a lot of charity, but I'm looking at fr coming from a standpoint of you all making your voice heard around ensuring that there are black contractors and black union folks in all the facilities and cities that you work in, mm. making that type of marriage to support exactly what he was talking about. Look, we can help you if we know what you need. 
Because trust me, if we have an opportunity to help you, we are there. So thinking about economic empowerment, because when the charity goes away, but I help some black-owned businesses grow and unionize, when the charity goes away, those businesses are still there. They're in the community. And so just shifting the paradigm of how to think about how we help our communities. So that's what right. I was thinking about. No, no, I, I mean, I, I, we, we all agree. Um, I think once again, like the, the devil is, is in the details, right? And so what I'd say is if we have an economic empowerment issue, in, 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 which is all over the country, right? But we're going to take one particular state or one particular town, we'll have to, well, let's figure out for, for us, we have to figure out the players that are most suitable for that to be like some type of connection, right? Because I'll tell you right now, if there's a player that plays for the Knicks, but he's actually from LA, like he doesn't have that, and, he's, and he just got to the Knicks, he might not have that connection to New York to feel comfortable speaking up on those issues in New York, right? So you, so you, you like the, the players are very, they're, I mean, and Terry knows this, knows this a lot better than I do. They are highly, highly, highly skilled individuals in, in, this, in, this, in this sport, right? And they're also, like everyone, they're also very proud individuals and they're used to excellence, right? So they, but they, that they, going outside their comfort zone, I think is oftentimes even harder for them than the average person because they're just used to being the best at this one thing, right? Or, or this one kind of sport. And so if you're gonna ask them, to, to immediately speak on an issue, it's just not gonna work and they're gonna run away. So the way to do that is we have to collectively start with like reminding them and educating them about union. I mean, we, we, we have to remind them about our union, right? Like, and Terry has to remind her players, not, probably not as much, about her union, about what we have to do. Um, a lot of times I would go around having to educate um, our folks on, on union activities, oftentimes I'll tell the story that a lot of times the, the players, whenever they, whenever they stay and they travel, they always stay at the Ritz or the Four Seasons, and I have to remind them, but for the union, you'd be staying at the Motel 6, right? Like, you don't, you don't get those benefits because because of the kindness of the hearts of the governors. It's because we make them do it, right? So we have to educate them about what we do. We have to educate them about what you guys do, educate them about the specific causes, and then we can, then we can do these things. So we're all in, but I'm just, it just, it takes, it's step by step. Well, you, but I just want to say something real quick on that, because what I heard you say something else too, and you alluded to it when you talked about the gambling and being sure even in that profession, we're represented. So for example, um, you all are dealing with billionaires. Mm -hmm. We got to figure out a way, right? If I heard you correctly, that when it comes to these teams and these stadiums, and everybody's building a new stadium all the time, right? Amen? That we are in that too, right? Is, is that? Because what, what happens is people forget that the work that our members do AI can't take away what I do with my hands. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And so if we're gonna bring our communities up, because trust me, once AI take away them jobs that the middle class folks are doing, they're right. coming after the jobs that we do, because people right. don't realize right. a lot right. of the history part of gotcha. it. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And to that point, these, these is not just the folks on the court, but it's the folk behind the scenes that are holding up that infrastructure with their hands, yes. 
Yes, ma'am. Real quick for me. Hi, Evelyn Evans, Rochester Chapter CBTU. I'm an IUE CWA member. And as what I would call you guys in our world, staff reps, did you do staff rep in other areas or you went straight to the MBA, started in the MBA? So I'll, I'll tell you, my, um, I have a player, her mom calls me the union lady. So yeah, that's really my title. Uh, no, this was my first, this was my first union job. This is my, is that what you're asking? Yes, 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 because I wanted to get my staff rep into the NBA so I could be her assistant and help her. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yes, sir, real quick. And then the last one to come over here, yes. Hi, good evening. My name is uh, Alain Barrett. I'm from New York City. I'm a director for Intergovernmental Affairs for the New York City Public Schools, but I'm also the uh, men's chair um, for uh, the New York City chapter, the black men's chair. Um, thank you all for being here. I'm also a union delegate as well. Quick thing that I wanted to um, ask you is, in reference to mental health, every year for the past two years, me and another union member have put together a black men's mental health and wellness conference at Adelphi University, um, where we bring together all black male and female therapists, psychotherapists together. I would love to invite you all. Um, Obviously, we're in a union hall, so we want to make sure that folks have access to those particular jobs. I know that there's therapists and psychotherapists and MBA, but the question is, is are they culturally responsive to those players? We always see this idea of perpetuating this idea that black men are criminal. And I guess my last question to you is, is what is the criteria for your organizations to work with nonprofits. And the reason why I ask that, and as the committee chair for black men in New York City, it seems like a lot of these corporations and organizations are working with nonprofits that have a casual contempt for black men. Mm -hmm. And I wanna, I wanna really key in on that because there were certain folks that were put on the MBA hardwood that literally say that they're about supporting black men when our bodies are cold, but then they're on the internet with casual contempt and saying things that perpetuate stereotypical variables that are coming out that leads to our soft genocide. So tell me what the criteria is because I think there's a lot of nonprofits that don't deserve to work. I'm tired of black men being a commodity. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, real quick, I say for the mental health stuff, just make sure we have your contact information. There might be, based on the, the time, the schedules, I think we have a, a pretty good uh, network of mental health clinicians, and I think we should, might be able to support. Um, when it comes to the, 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 the nonprofits, in our space, we have, we have our own foundation. We also help players with their foundations and, and, and their philanthropy. Um, but. But please, if you think that you're, if you see the NBA or any teams that are engaged with nonprofits that you have information that you think that they're not really who they're supposed to be, um, then let, let, I mean, let, let us know. Uh, because that, I mean, we need, we need all of you because we, we don't know everything. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose.
Parker, engineering your success. My name is Aaron McCormick. I represent the uh, University of Michigan Professional Nurses Council by way of National Nurses United. So one thing that was on my mind, knowing that you guys are union, um, is about injuries and players and even mental health. One thing that we're supporting heavily is Medicaid for all. We know that you guys, at a certain point in their careers, they get lifetime health insurance. But what about those players that don't make it, which is a lot? What about those players that go overseas and have to come back and, you know, health insurance, things of that nature? Have there been any talks within your union to support such bills to get, you know, not only NBA players, but it's everyone? So has there been talks uh, in your circles about those type of bills to help everyone, unions, and America? Well, bills, bills. it's supporting uh, health care for all, universal health care, Medicaid for all, anything like that? Uh, often, often. You, you, I felt like you were talking to me and talking to me about players who go overseas because you know that's because they don't make enough money in the W. Yeah, so their off-season opportunities sometimes over in Europe are, are a lot more lucrative. Yes, and then sometimes they get injured there and that affects their status or ability to play. Yeah, all the time we're having those conversations. Absolutely. I would say quickly. I mean, we 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 don't have uh, we don't have those conversations. But if 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 we should talk, because we are interested in advocating when there's things that we think resonate with us and our membership, and sometimes we don't hear about certain issues. That one is not particularly on our radar because our our players have amazing healthcare. Don't let's, worry, I'm going to put it on their radar. Let's let's thank let's thank our panelists, folks. Terry Carmichael, Jackson, David Foss. Give them another round of applause. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.